Welcome to The Word from Bethlehem Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Abigail Zhang Hoffman. And I'm Pastor Amy Walter-Peterson. Thanks for dwelling in The Word with us today. Today's Gospel reading comes from the fourth chapter of John, beginning with the first verse. It is a very long reading and tells the story of Jesus' encounter with a Samaritan woman. You will hear this scripture reading today from a translation of scripture called The Voice, and you will also hear three voices bringing the story to life. My voice will be the voice of a narrator, and then there will be the voice of a man speaking Jesus' lines, and the voice of a woman speaking the voice, the words of the woman at the well. I invite you to just take in this scripture reading that was part of our worship service on Sunday. The picture was becoming clear to the Pharisees that Jesus had gained a following much larger than that of John the Baptist, the wandering prophet. Now, he could see that the Pharisees were beginning to plot against him. This was because his disciples were finally, were busy ritually cleansing many new disciples through baptism. He chose to leave Judea where most Pharisees lived and return to a safer location in Galilee. This trip would take them through Samaria. For Jews in Israel, Samaria is a place to be avoided. Before Solomon's death 1,000 years earlier, the regions of Samaria and Judea were part of a united Israel. After the rebellion that divided the kingdom, Samaria became a hotbed of idol worship. The northern kings made alliances that corrupted the people by introducing foreign customs and strange gods. They even had the nerve to build a temple to the true God on Mount Gerizim to rival the one in Jerusalem. By the time the Twelve are traveling with Jesus, it has long been evident that the Samaritans have lost their way. By marrying outsiders, they have polluted the land. Israel's Jews consider them to be half-breeds, mongrels, and the Jews know how to watch out for them or else be bitten by temptation. In a small Samaritan town known as Sychar, Jesus and his entourage stopped to rest at the historic well that Jacob gave his son, Joseph. It was about noon when Jesus found a spot to sit close to the well while the disciples ventured off to find provisions. From his vantage, he watched as a Samaritan woman approached to draw some water. Unexpectedly, he spoke to her. Would you draw water and give me a drink? I cannot believe that you, a Jew, would associate with me, a Samaritan woman, much less ask me to give you a drink. Jews, you see, had no dealings with Samaritans. Also, a man never approached a woman like this in public. Jesus was breaking accepted social barriers with this confrontation. You don't know the gift of God or who is asking you for a drink of this water from Jacob's well. Because if you did, You would have asked him for something greater, and he would have given you the living water. Sir, you sit by this deep well, a thirsty man without a bucket in sight. Where does this living water come from? Are you claiming superiority to our father Jacob? 
who labored long and hard to dig and maintain this well so that he could share the clean water with his sons, grandchildren, and cattle? Drink this water and your thirst is quenched only for a moment. You must return to this well again and again. I offer water that is becoming... I I offer water that will become a wellspring within you that gives life throughout eternity. You will never be thirsty again. Please, sir, give me some of this water so I'll never be thirsty and never again have to make the trip to this well. Then bring your husband to me. I do not have a husband. Technically, you are telling the truth. But you've had five husbands and are currently living with a man you are not married to. Sir, it is obvious to me that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped here on this mountain, but your people say that Jerusalem is the only place for all to worship. Which is it? Woman, I tell you that neither is so. Believe this, a new day is coming. In fact, it's already here when the importance will not be placed on the time and place of worship, but on the truthful hearts of worshipers. You worship what you don't know, while we worship what we do know, for God's salvation is coming through the Jews. The Father is spirit, and he is seeking followers whose worship is sourced in truth and deeply spiritual as well. Regardless of whether you are in Jerusalem or on this mountain, if you do not seek the Father, then you do not worship. These mysteries will be made clear by he who is promised, the Anointed One. The Anointed is speaking to you. I am the one you have been looking for. The disciples returned to him and gathered around him in amazement that he would openly break their customs by speaking to this woman but none of them would ask him what he was looking for or why he was speaking with her. The woman went back to her town, leaving her water pot behind. She stopped men and women on the streets and told them about what had happened. I met a stranger who knew everything about me. Come and see for yourselves. Can he be the anointed one? A crowd came out of the city and approached Jesus. During all of this, the disciples were urging Jesus to eat the food they gathered. I have food to eat that you know nothing about. The disciples said to one another, Is it possible that someone else brought him food while we were away? I received my nourishment by serving the will of the Father who sent me and completing his work. You have heard others say, be patient. We have four more months to wait until the crops are ready for the harvest. I say, take a closer look and you will see the fields are ripe and ready for the harvest. The harvester is collecting his pay, harvesting fruit ripe for eternal life. So even now, he and the sowers are celebrating their fortune. The saying may be, old, but it is true. One person sows and another reaps. I sent you to harvest where you have not labored. Someone else took the time to plant and cultivate, and you feast on the fruit of their labor. Meanwhile, 
because one woman shared with her neighbors how Jesus exposed her past and present, the village of Sychar was transformed. Many Samaritans heard and believed. The Samaritans approached Jesus and repeatedly invited him to stay with them, and so he lingered there for two days on their account. With the words that came from his mouth, there were many more believing Samaritans. They began their faith journey because of the testimony of the woman beside the well. But when they heard for themselves, they were convinced the one they were hearing was and is God's anointed, the liberating king, sent to rescue the entire world. This is the gospel of the Lord. A few years right out of college, I started working for the Minnesota State Agency that was responsible for policy research for the governor's office. In my very first job with that agency, I worked to coordinate a review process of all of the bills that had passed the state legislature that were going to the governor's office for signature. And my job was to contact every agency and board and office which was impacted by the legislation and request a recommendation to the governor. Should he sign it or should he veto the bill? As a young person just out of college, I was totally wowed by the access that I had to the governor's office in the state capitol as well as the state legislative buildings and offices. And I was fascinated by the process of watching the sausage being made and hearing all of the behind the scenes conversations. But when I look back at that time from my vantage point today, I am surprised to remember that no one ever asked me how I voted or what my political affiliation was. And I am willing to bet that if the same position were available today, the same would not be true. I know I'm not revealing anything new to say that we live in a deeply divided world, especially in America. If you watch the news, talking, side, talking heads from whatever side of the political aisle they come from encourage us to demonize and diminish people who vote and think differently than we do. There was a recent Pew Research Center study this past summer that revealed that majorities of people in both political parties in America view members of the other party as more immoral, dishonest, and closed-minded than other Americans. It makes me realize that we are living in the midst of a great othering of anyone who is different from us. For those who vote differently or view hot button issues differently, we are apt to look at them with contempt and suspicion. Now, it's easy to think that othering is something that is new to us in our time, but it's not. For Samaritan and Jews of Jesus' day, the antipathy and animosity between them was already centuries old by the time that Jesus came to Sychar. Samaritans and Israelites of their day were enemies, but not the faraway, distant, mythic kind of enemy. They were more the in-your-backyard, try-to-avoid-them-at-all-costs, a-lot-like-you-but-different-in-all-the-wrong-ways kind of enemy. Their religions agreed on all the main points, but differed on some of the details. But those details were important and divergent enough to make them hate each other. 
And so by the time today's gospel was written, they had perfected the art of othering each other. And it's precisely because of this history of othering that today's gospel reading remains one of the most radical passages in all the gospels. In Jesus' dialogue with Nicodemus that we heard last week, which takes place in the dark of night, we hear Jesus proclaim the good news that at the heart of our faith, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That is the heart of our faith. And here, in the very next chapter in John's Gospel, Jesus makes his way through the heart of Samaria, and in the bright light of day, he rests at a well alone, as if waiting to make a point that he wants everyone to see. If Jesus' encounter with Nicodemus reveals the fullness of God's love for the world, today's encounter that we read about of Jesus meeting with an unnamed Samaritan woman reveals just who is included in this world that God so loves. And what becomes clear as the encounter unfolds is that in the world God so loves, there is no other. We just heard this encounter play out in the voices of two people. And in that encounter, what did we hear? We hear Jesus, a man, meeting with this woman, but it doesn't prevent him from speaking with this unknown woman. He will not other her gender. Jesus is tired and alone, but that does not prevent him from asking a drink from the woman whose history may raise eyebrows. He will not other her lifestyle. Jesus identifies as a Jewish rabbi, but that does not prevent him from making his way among religious strangers and declaring that a new day is coming when the importance will not be placed on the time and place of worship, but on the truthful hearts of worshipers. He will not other the faith commitments of these Samaritans. With intention and purpose, Jesus leads his disciples into the most othered environment that they could imagine in their day. And he shows that his ministry is one of healing age-old divisions and erasing every other that this world wants to create and is satisfied to hold on to. And as followers of Jesus, the message for us could not be more clear. Jesus invites us to follow him into the places of division, divisions that we have supported, have allowed to fester, and have sometimes created and to be about the work of healing, reconciling, and seeking to repair the othering that pervades our world. But how do we do that? How do we repair that othering? If this environment that I am in with you today were more conducive to conversation, and I wish sometimes that it was, I'd ask you to think about what you noticed in that conversation between Jesus and the woman at the well. As I think about it, I notice, first of all, that it's filled with questions, practical questions. Would you draw water and give me a drink? As well as curious questions. 
Where does this living water come from? And can he be the anointed one? This conversation is filled with a real search for shared understanding. The woman asks Jesus, are you claiming superior to our father Jacob? And Jesus says to the woman, the father is spirit and he is seeking followers who worship whose worship is sourced in trust and deeply spiritual as well. Regardless of whether you are in Jerusalem or on this mountain, if you do not seek the Father, then you do not worship. They are wrestling with the very issue that he, that has separated their people for centuries. In this dialogue, both the woman and Jesus reveal their needs. Jesus needs water. He is tired and thirsty. The woman needs to be seen. Her solitary midday journey to the well suggests that in her village, life is easier when she remains unseen by those around her. And in the conversation they share, both Jesus and the woman share and expose their deepest truth. From the woman who owns her story and says, I have no husband. And from Jesus, when he says for the first time in John's gospel, I am the one. We are skilled at the art of othering. But in this extended conversation, the longest that Jesus has with anyone in all of scripture, Jesus shows us that we belong to each other. He doesn't sidestep the hard questions or the divisive issues, but he also doesn't approach the woman with arrogance. He is certain about his identity and what it means for the world God so loves. But through conversation, he allows the woman and the village around her to reach their own conclusions. And they do. Jesus and his disciples linger for two days at the urging of the villagers. At the proclamation of this woman, they too come to taste the living water that Jesus offers, and they want it too. But one detail remains. When the woman leaves the well to go to her village and asks if it's possible that the anointed one has made his way to their village, she leaves behind her water pot at the well. And it makes me ask myself, what might I need to leave behind in order to follow Jesus into new healing places? Are there beliefs or prejudices or teachings or traditions that I might need to set aside so that I can follow where Jesus leads? I think that's the question for all of us wherever we find ourselves at this time. Who are the others that we imagine in this world? Where are we others to people? How is it that Jesus is calling into work, calling us into work of repairing and healing those othering relationships? And what is it that you might need to leave behind at the well in order to follow Jesus? in this work. Jesus promises us that he is here as living water for you.
come and see this living water that loves you so much. We hope you've been fed by the word this week. Don't miss an episode. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And share your feedback with us at the word at blcfairport.org. And if you'd like to learn more about Bethlehem Lutheran Church or support the ministry we share, including this podcast, please visit www.blcfairport.org.